This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 74. Can't believe it. 74. Yeah, we're flying through. We are. We're doing well. You know, I feel like we've been doing okay keeping up with the podcasts recently, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. At like least this one. Right. We've been keeping up with this one. It's the important we one. We do. We, it is. It's right. That's right. It's the important one. So let's jump. I mean, what do, do we have any, uh, you know, like regular talk stuff, entertaining stuff, or do people just want us to jump right into it? What do you think? I don't know. Like no one ever tells us one way or the other. So I don't, I don't really have I, anything to add other than my son has decided that uh, he does not like sleeping anymore. We yeah. went, we were, like, we got it down to a, like a reasonable, like, he's awake for an hour, he sleeps for half an hour, he's awake for an hour, he sleeps for a half hour. So we kind of worked our way around that yesterday going to the movies and we took him to see Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh, super cool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So they've got like a crying room in the theater. So we were in like nice. our own little glass box. There was only like nine, nine seats in there, six, eight seats in there, which was Dude, cool. That's and, incredible. Yeah, uh, it was weird though because you had to go up some stairs to get in there. Which I mean, most people that are going in there with a crying baby also have a stroller. So and I had to go up on crutches, <laughs> which was yeah. fun. But um, oh, right, yeah, right. Yeah, the so crying was, room was actually for you. Yeah, it not was for, for the me. baby. Yeah, it was yeah you were in so me. much pain. Yeah, 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 but uh, yeah, he so he was awake for four hours yesterday, and then he slept through the entire movie. So good on him. But good yeah, we were in there him. with like nice Ray and job, I, buddy. and his uncle and auntie came with us as well. So we were all packed in there, and then ten minutes after the movie started, this other couple came in, and we all had to shuffle around, which is annoying to say the least. And, yeah, come on, and then, people. Like me trying to shuffle in the dark with like my crutches with the was crutches, yeah, enjoyable as well. Yep, smacky anyway. lie with your crutch and now he's awake. Yeah, now oh, he's man. upset. Oh. But yeah, yep. so and so he's only been sleeping. He's he's regressed back to sleeping for an hour and a half, two hours at most overnight in you know, not at most like total, but in just blocks of an hour and a half or two hours, which has been difficult for for us uh, and, and Ray in particular because, you know, I can't do anything overnight. Right. So you're useless. And, and speaking yeah. of the devil, I hear him right now. I you can, can hear him. him? Yeah. I can hear. Yeah, he's uh he's going about his business at the moment. Poor little guy. Yeah, it was only a twenty minute sleep this time. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, we went and saw the pediatrician today for his. I don't know if it was a late five month checkup or an early or an early six month checkup, but he is firmly average. He's in the fiftieth percentile for weight and height and or weight and length and head circumference. So. Luckily, they don't measure cuteness because they don't have a chart that goes. Oh uh, yeah, no, he'd be. Yep, that's right. He right is, dude. He is a cute kid. I mean, like, you know, sometimes people are like, "Oh, your kid's cute," but like, that's for real. Like, he's yeah. actually really that yeah. cute. I don't, so, I don't know where he gets from. I'm, I, you no, know, I don't think it's from his father. Certainly so. not from me. Certainly not from me. But um, <laughs> yeah, the, the pediatrician goes, "Oh, you know, feed him more solids, and uh, he'll be fine." My wife said he looks like you. Yeah, everyone, everyone says he looks like me, and we we found an old uh, baby photo, and I. Put, took a photo of Eli alongside my baby photo, and and yeah, the resemblance is is funny. So I don't know, maybe he's destined to grow up and look like me, which is unfortunate for him. <laughs> He'll do all right. He'll do He'll all right. We had family photos today, actually, which is fun. We had a busy day. Oh, yeah, you doing family a, photos? Getting the Christmas photos then, in. Yep, that's right. 
Yep, they had to follow suit. The Hemp Hills put theirs out last week. Mm-hmm, Looking really mm-hmm. awesome, super cute. And then following the Otwells, we uh, did all of our Christmas decorations. So all of our Christmas decorations are up already. Boo. I know. Bah humbug. Bah humbug, <laughs> Mr. Dorinda. I'll enjoy Doesn't my 12 celebrate days Halloween. Christmas at Christmas. Doesn't do Christmas. I know. I know. You're a grumpy <laughs> old man. You're ahead of the curve on that one. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get into it. We're putting our tree up next week, so we're not Oh, there you go. Yeah, re, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I say re-compromise uh, on because normally the the general tradition here is that when the Christmas pageant comes through, you put your decorations up. And okay. My family, being from a, a Polish background, we put our decorations up on Christmas Eve and take them down on the sixth of January, which is the the twelve days of Christmas. So this year we've uh, compromised, and and by compromised, I I had no say in it. Re just said we're going to put it up on the first <laughs> of January. So. I say first of December, not January. So nice, nice. That's fine. There you go. But uh, and I don't know a where we're going to put it because we've bought a new couch since the last time we put the Christmas tree up. So there isn't really anywhere to put a tree, I think. And I mean, Eli doesn't know what's going to go on anyway. He's just going to stare at the lights like he stares at yep. everything else. <laughs> Absolutely, just put them under the tree. Let him look at the lights. It's it's pretty. That's it. That's it. All right, let's get on with it. Let's do it. All right, let's get on with it then. Okay, so this first, uh, so we've got, so let's see, one, two, three, three packages, I think. And so that's actually four, four packages, sorry. So that's what we're going to start out with. Um, half of them are PHP, half of them are JavaScript, oddly enough. So I'm going to jump into this first one because I took a look at this and it looks pretty interesting, actually. So Laravel Database Hashing Package. So uh, Jack Nord, oh man, Nordhuis. Jack okay. Nordhuis. Okay, so what this package does is automatically hashes uh, database attributes. So it works by adding a trait to an eloquent model, and then you can define which attributes will get hashed. And so those values actually get stored in your database as a hashed value, right? So it basically mm-hmm. takes away your ability to be able to use my or uh, SQL Pro as an admin. You know, you can't yeah. do that anymore. Yeah. But you could you could totally hash just sensitive information like personally identifiable information or mm-hmm. pi as you might call it right so you could just hash those things if you needed to or wanted to uh, or you could hash everything but they have an interesting idea here which is that you can pass in a salt modifier for each particular record that you're hashing right and one of the things that they have here is to make that modifier the password of the user so that when you're coming in and you're saying username lookup you say hash the attribute of the user with their password and what that allows you to do is like if in the case that somebody was able to compromise your database and get at everything uh you know they have a different salt that's modifying every single record so you can't do Mm -hmm. like a rainbow table attack against it once you crack one and then you kind of can figure it out right uh it actually you know they would have to crack them all one at a time Uh, which makes it very difficult and not really feasible. And so this is really um, a sort of home-rolled encryption at rest. But uh, the the good thing about this, which is interesting, because I've I've been trying to figure this this out. We have a a couple of things that uh, are sort of sensitive. And as long as they're like inside my network and have no access to the outside world, I'm totally fine with storing that information like on the database and it's, yeah. it's fine, right? We have a lot of controls in place. But when there's, whenever there's anything that kind of needs to live outside of the walls that's accessible via the outside world, I'm always nervous to put anything personally identifiable out there. And I mean, even names can be, you know, I don't know, maybe that's a little bit too paranoid. You can't really identify much just using somebody's name. But yeah. 
as much as I can, I like to protect that stuff. And so the, the thing about like encryption at rest, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. The thing about encryption at rest is like if they crack, if they get access to your server, it doesn't really matter if your database is encrypted at rest because they have the key to get at your database. Is that right or is that wrong? Maybe I'm completely think, wrong. Yeah, I mean, it depends on where you're storing that key, I guess. Right. But yeah, That's true. generally, if they have access to your key and they have access to your database, then, you know, they can pretty much do whatever they want, assuming they know how to use that key to get to get the information. The secret is stored outside of your database. It's actually in your user's head, right? Yeah. It's the entire reason why hashing passwords makes sense, because what you do is you say, so the way that Laravel stores and the way that everybody should store them, right, is you take the password that they put in, you run it through a hash and you store that hash. And then if you need to look it up again later, what you have to say is, okay, give me the original value, hash it and see if it matches the hash that was stored last time, right? So you never yeah. really get access to that original value. So that original yeah. value, that secret is out and is now basically stored with your user. Mm-hmm. So if nothing else, this would be a pretty cool option to say, uh, to give your users to say, hey, by the way, you can encrypt your own data if you don't want, you know, I don't know. You could do that, I suppose. Yeah. In any case, it looks like a really interesting package and it's pretty cool. So it only supports 5.5 and 5.6 right now. It doesn't, it's not ready for Laravel 5.7 support. I mean, yeah. it's not, it's not specifically tagged for 5.7 release, but it may very well. I mean, th- th- there wasn't a lot of changes between 5.5 and 5.6 that would, you know, cause this to just break. So whilst there's no explicit support for 5.7, you know, if, if you use it in 5.7 and it, and it works fine, then sing out and let us know. But if you want to, you know, update the tests and, and whatever else, then the link for the GitHub repository will be in the show notes for you. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so there's that one. Pretty cool. Uh, so we have, should we talk about Wink real quick? That's the other PHP one or should we jump into so. the JavaScript ones? No, let's talk about Wink. This was a, it's a Laravel-based publishing platform written by Mohammed Saeed that can run on any Laravel application, which uses a separate database connection and authentication system so you don't have to worry about modifying your own project code. So if you've got a Laravel app and you want to put in some you know, simple publishing functionality, then you can pull this in as a package, get it installed, and, and off it goes. So comes with a WYSIWYG editor similar to that which you might use in Medium that supports formatting things such as links and quotes and headings. Um, directly and in it, line. Yeah, directly right, while you're, in line. While you're typing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I really like about that. You can like highlight a piece of text and it comes up with your options for it. Yeah. yeah. So then you can select, you know, do you want it to be bold or italic or underline or whatever um, that's in there. So it's still under heavy development and uh, in its early stages at the time of writing, but Muhammad decided to ship it early so the you know, us in the open source community can can use it already and, you know, make it easier to find bugs and, and, and you know, improve the code base and add some extra bits and pieces in there. So, Muhammad has a preliminary roadmap for possible upcoming features, but you can learn more about the platform and check out the source code from the links that we'll put in the show notes. Yeah, it's also under very active development. I've seen a couple changes come out even since he just released, uh, I think it was last week. They they added the ability into customize the Twitter and Facebook cards that mm-hmm. like uh, yep, the meta the, the OG data. yeah yeah yep. right the metadata stuff uh, so that when you share a post from that it it kind of you know has its own little tag image and those sorts of things mm-hmm. and it's a really mm-hmm. nice uh, modal sort of interface on that so that was on his uh, roadmap and that's one that's like checked 
Uh, he had optimized CSS, moved to Tailwind. Check. So these are things that he's got this roadmap out there, but it's not like, hey, here are the future things that I'm planning to do. Although it is, it's more like, hey, if you wanna, if you wanna take on one of these, go ahead and go for yeah. it. Yep. Um, and 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 do that. So I believe, I believe you can upload single images. Right now, you can't do like galleries or anything like that. But I see on this kind of on the WYSIWYG editor there, it looks like there's a little uh, the ability yeah, it looks to like add you can drag image and drop in there. An image in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it really seems like a pretty. This is the thing that I came across. So I'm using Nova for my website, and I decided that the the tricks field allows you to basically drag and drop images right right in line. So mm-hmm. I swapped my body copy you know my body field to use tricks rather than markdown sure. which i've had for you know since day one i then had to go back and edit and an older post and then realize that this doesn't work because some of it is now in markdown and some of it is using the tricks field so yeah. i wonder if someone has published a a nova field which is markdown with file upload support and if not mm. there is a free idea for a field package for you um but i there might play around with it I mean, I say that, but I barely have enough time to do anything at the moment. So, that's right. uh, yeah. It would be nice to get the the two together to to be able to you know drop you know like the like the GitHub editor for example or the GitLab editor. Yeah, you can drop where a you file just in paste there it and in. handles the yep. upload. Yeah, so yeah, love cool. that. I use I use that all the time, especially when I'm doing like a code snippet. Right, I just like take a quick screenshot and then paste it in there. You know, I do yeah. like a what is it? Command Control Shift Four and then yeah. drag a screenshot and then just yeah. paste it in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. It feels uh, it feels really nice. So anyway, yeah, this is uh, a really cool platform. Uh, we're I, I have plans on. Actually, I have an issue already out there to integrate it into our intranet platform because there's been like, where can we put a blog that people can, you know, people different departments in the company can can have their own little blog. They've and yeah. people have been requesting it. So this is a easy easy win for that. Yeah, and it's good so for people that. About it. Yeah. You know, Markdown is not hard to pick up, but this is like a nice, lightweight, easy to use. Like it's an intuitive interface yep. without and getting... It looks good. Yeah, and it looks nice and it doesn't get you bogged down in all kinds of weird stuff. So, if you know, if you're putting together a basic website for clients that maybe don't have the budget for something like Nova and, and you want something that's just kind of lightweight and, you know, you're not too worried about having too much customization like it's just going to be text on a page or blog post and things like that this this might be you know right now a good good option for you yep absolutely okay so let's jump back to or not jump back to us but let's jump to the javascript uh different packages that we have here the first one is called space time have you got a chance to read either of these because i i can i think you got to read space time yeah i had a quick look at space time yeah 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 so space time is a javascript time zone library so in the United States or in the Northern Hemisphere, I suppose, daylight savings is now over in most states. And, and for us down here in Australia, we've just started as uh, we just started daylight savings. So whenever this happens, it reminds all of us how difficult it is to just deal with dates, especially when they change forward yeah. and backwards. Yeah, um, yeah. And in some places, like everybody's favorite human, Paul Redmond in Arizona. That's right. His time zone doesn't change because he's on, is it central time or is it, no, they call it mountain time over there or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like the same thing. There's like different places. I know like in Indiana, like my brother, like his time doesn't, like they don't do that. Yeah. So it's it's just so odd. And like some places just don't observe 
daylight savings. So in Queensland, in Australia, for example, they don't observe daylight savings. So for part of the year, they're half an hour ahead of us in Adelaide. And for part of the year, they're half an hour behind us. So yeah. And and these are all things that as developers, you don't want to think about. These are the kinds of things that should quote unquote just work in the code yeah. that we're using. So whilst moment.js is excellent for working with dates on the front end, sometimes you're always looking for something that's a little bit more lightweight and and with space time, you have an alternative that also includes time zone support. So yeah. it's got a moment.js like API and was written by Spencer Kelly. So you can install it as any other NPM dependency. And it has zero dependencies of its own and has and, and weighs just 45 kilobytes. And that's before it's gzipped, obviously. So if you're familiar with the Moment.js API, then you should be able to pick this one up pretty easily. And you've also got the option to use an immutable space-time version so that you don't have to worry about your dates changing, which is something that happens with PHP's daytime all the time. Yeah, in carbon, right? It kind of switches off from under you on accident like, oops. Yeah. Yeah, that happens pretty regularly. So, and it's got some really nice natural language methods. So, there's a go-to function where you could define a time uh, or a date as, you know, say today's date, which is the the 18th of November, 2018, as a date object. And then you can say, you know, date dot go to America slash New York, and then it'll configure it to, you know, obviously use New York as the time zone for that same moment. So, and then you can also do some stuff uh, using a where it's method, which essentially returns all the time zones where it's within one of many or one or many time ranges. So you could say, give me a list of time zones where it is currently 9am um, and it'll return that to you, which is which is a handy thing. So link will be in the show notes, obviously, for the article and also for the API documentation and the source code is available on GitHub. That's pretty cool. I wanted to talk through a little bit, maybe like some use cases of this, like where would we possibly use this? And then also some of the, I'm guessing this is meant to be used on the front end. We're not talking about using this as like a node mm-hmm. sort of thing, right? We're not talking about using it on, on the server side, although it could be used, right? I suppose you side, could, yeah. Right? I suppose you could, right. So I think what we're assuming here is that this is used being used on the front end, which means that when you say now, like on, like you would in moment or whatever, that's grabbing the current time of the person visiting your site, right? Yeah. So if I visit a site and I say now, it's going to give me 10.53 p.m. on Saturday. And if you visit that same website and it says now on the front end, it's going to say what time? 3.23 p.m. on Sunday. On Sunday, right? Okay. So taking that into account the now times for us are going to be different. So mm-hmm. then what is the use case for this? Uh, I was trying to think through that. So I was thinking maybe if you wanted to have like a, a recurring sort of thing where maybe you want to send all your friends a text message reminder at, you know, you guys are and girls are all getting up at 6.30 in the morning to go work out. Mm-hmm. And everybody in their respective time zones needs to get that text message at 6.30 to say, hey, guys, don't forget to go work out today, blah, 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 whatever, right? I don't know. This is a silly example, but you get what I'm saying, right? So the person who's coming to the site says, hey, I have a friend who lives in New York. They need to get the text message at 6.30 a.m. All right, so like I can set my time zone or or whatever, uh, and you'd be able to see, I guess something like that. I don't know. Is that that a good example? I guess guess one place that is is really obvious and something that I think I've seen on the new Laracast website, which we can talk about a little bit later on, is in how old a post was on the forum. So if you were to, for example, 
store all of your dates in the database as UTC, you could then on the fly, based on the user's browser, when you display how old a post was, pass the you know the UTC timestamp into space-time and then convert it on the fly. So all of those times would be relative. So you could just... Oh, yeah. That's so a really be, good I mean, point. I sp- and, it's, and it's probably a little bit easier to, to manage it that way in the front end because that way you don't have to worry about people setting preferences and yeah. storing that on the database and then using um, you know mutators in your eloquent models to convert on display. You can just send the UTC value straight into space-time and then let it handle the conversion on the fly. The difference, so, yeah. yeah. So that's, you could say that's like... an interesting idea. Because then it's always going to be like five minutes ago relative to where you know where I am. So if you yep. and I looked at the exact same blog post at the exact same time, well, you know, it's 10.53 p.m. for you and it's now 3.26 p.m. for me. But the post was made five minutes ago at yeah. a fixed point in time, which is UTC, right, right. which is why it's, you know, recommended that if you're storing dates in the database, you store them as UTC always. And that way, if you need to make any changes relative to a visitor's time zone, you can do that on the client side. That's genius, man. I've never, you know, I guess I've never had this problem yet, right? Mm. And I'm sure if I was to run into this problem, this is the solution I would find is that what you're exactly what you're saying. And I've always wondered why things ship with a default time zone of like UTC. And I'm always like, nah, man, America, Chicago, like that's where I'm at. Yeah, it right. totally makes sense yeah. for like my users inside my building because like they're literally in America, Chicago, right? But yep. like that example is, is a perfect example of, of yeah. where this would be incredibly useful. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a problem that's going to come and bite us very soon because we are a South Australian based company, but we have been acquired by a multinational business, which will give us reach into all of the other states, which means that we're going to have to support customers, you know, using their internet connection at all different times of the day in all different time zones. And, you know, we need to record them in a common way and flag, you know, the time zone that they they came in on. So, I mean, what we'll probably end up doing is standardizing on one time zone anyway and just saying that everything is in Australian Eastern, which is yeah, sure. generally the way things go in Australia. Everything's based on Eastern time. But the the, the service disruption tool that I built some months ago, it has support for all of the different Australian time zones. So you can say, I'm scheduling some downtime or I'm scheduling maintenance one week from now in Brisbane. So I will say that it is occurring between, you know, 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. Brisbane time. And so we select that. We store the time zone with the the UTC timestamp in the database. And that way when it comes out, we can display it in the correct time zone. So, Yeah. That was a whole lot of testing and a whole lot of like hair pulling to get that to work because as we all know, anyone that's ever had to work with multiple time zones, it's not easy. Yeah. I can only imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've, you know, from all the rants on Twitter, you see from people who are like, <laughs> oh my gosh, time yeah. zones. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. I haven't been there yet myself, but I can imagine. Okay. This next one is pretty cool. This is called Danger JS. So as I was reading through it, the best description I found here is think of danger as an automated butler for menial, repetitive tasks that are important for your project's pull request process, but create some mental overhead for contributors and project owners. Um, have you ever had somebody, let's see, uh, change something in the JavaScript, but 
And depending on how you do your build process, right? Depending on how you do your build process. If you do your build process for, for you know, all of your JavaScript stuff and CSS stuff on the server, this doesn't apply. But for us specifically, anytime I build, anytime I change JavaScript, change CSS, whatever, I want it built and stored so that the next person who pulls it down to work on it, if they're not doing JavaScript or CSS stuff, they don't run into any of the node problems that like inevitably always happen, right? Like, oh, this yeah. node version doesn't working for me or like yeah. I did NPM install to like do everything and it didn't work. That's the biggest pain in the butt for me. I yeah. hate that. So like I always like to commit a version that is like, hey, you pull this down, it runs. You know what I'm saying? On your machine. Mm-hmm. But uh, what happens sometimes, right, is somebody will commit a change to the JavaScript or a change to the CSS and they won't compile it. Right, so the mix manifest is is the same as it was before. So like you don't see the changes and and whatever. What you could do with Danger is you can write it's it's called a Danger file. So Danger is an npm module that evaluates a Danger file. So you set this up per project, uh, and you can really set up any rules specific to your project in this Danger file.js or or .ts. Either either extension works. So you can set it up in there and say, hey, if the JavaScript or CSS has changed, but you have noticed that the mix file has not changed, go ahead and make a comment on this pull request that says, hey, by the way, you need to do this before this thing is, you know, before you merge this in. Yeah. Uh, and you can do that with, uh, it has a, a bunch of different ideas that you could use. Mm-hmm. You know, you could even do, you can even do linting, right? Yeah. You can do a lot of stuff that you do with other tools, right? Uh, you can do with this too, tool. Hey, you haven't included a change log entry. Yes, yeah. Lint failed with two failed files. You have added two n- more modules to the app, right? There's just a bunch of bunch of different yeah. ideas here. I like the change log example as well because yeah. this is something that with my developers, when we were still on Bitbucket, the the release notes weren't very good in the Bitbucket UI, so we started keeping a change log. But my developers wouldn't update that change log. And then I had to like remember when I was making a release, did they do the change log? No, they didn't. Well, now I have to go and do the change log entry, include screenshots and things like that. So using this to go, you know, if files are being added or changed or removed and the change log file itself is not listed amongst the modified files in this pull request, that it would flag it that, hey, you didn't change the change log. So, you know, it probably needs a bit more time you know, to actually sit down and look at all of the different things that you could do. But as as part of like a linting CI step, this is really cool. And I wonder if you could even get it to trigger like a PHP-L. So to run a lint over your PHP files to make sure you're not committing any syntax errors accidentally. We mm-hmm. did that the other day and <laughs> we realized that we didn't actually have a PHP-L in our CI's lint. So it might be worth looking at, you know, a tool like danger.js or something similar that can do that kind of stuff for you rather than having to write all of these scripts manually that you could just pull in the functionality that exists in a library where, you know, people have contributed it based on their own usage. And you can even look at things like, Hey, that would be useful to me. So I might pull that into my CI process as well. So, you know, we've got a, we've got a lint step that, that happens before we do any composer installs that checks for like a package.lock file, which checks for a composer.lock file and make sure all of these things are there. But there's lots of stuff that you can do in terms of like sanitization and making sure that you know, that your repository is kept up to up to speed with the, the, the basically the decisions that you as a team have made that need to be done yeah. when you submit a yeah, pull request. Yeah, just having like some standard operating procedures in place, right? Yeah. And saying like, this is a good way to kind of catch that stuff. Yeah, and the nice thing is like, this is not something that you're just saying like, hey, I have this linter that I set up, run this. Like it literally lets you do anything that, anything that you can do in Node, 
you can do with this, mm-hmm. right? So it's pretty powerful. Yeah. yeah. So worth a check for sure if that's something that you feel would be interesting to you. Of course, now I lost only, my freaking window. Where the heck did the only there caveat is. of note is that uh, Danger has both a Ruby and a Node version. And the most significant caveat is that Danger only works with GitHub at the time of this recording, at the time of the writing of this article. So... Um, the JS platform has a bigger potential for growth. But on the other side, the Ruby version is more stable and it is supported on multiple platforms and has a healthy plugin ecosystem. So definitely check it out if this is something of interest to you. Yep, yep, yep. Looks very, very cool. Good work, good work. All right, so back to the PHP side of things. We have Laravel 5.7.13 is released. Why don't we talk about that mm-hmm. for a minute here? So sure. it looks like it was released on Wednesday. There's a couple collection methods, new collection methods. Uh, there's also the ability to return an array of messages in a custom validation rule. So instead of just returning one, you can return an array of them. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, let's first look at the empty collection methods that were added. So there is a now a when empty collection method and a when not empty collection method. Uh, there's also an unless empty and an unless not empty collection method. So what you have is obviously if you're going through your collection, doing some filtering, doing some rejecting and whatever uh, at any point like in that in that collection pipeline, you could inject one of these methods and it will of course conditionally run that step. So when empty of course, would mean like if the uh, if the collection is empty at this point, go ahead and run this. Execute this closure, basically. Yes, the closure. Thank you. Yeah, I lost that word for a minute. Yep. And then the unless, the unlesses, of course, behave in the opposite way, right? If yeah. the collection is not empty, the unless empty closure would be called. So right? this is not new functionality as such. It's just, you know, we always talk about the, the convenience. So where previously the collection class had a when method so you would say you know collection when and then you'd actually have to do the empty check yourself you could do you know this empty this is empty or whatever now you can get rid of that extra parameter and just pass the closure in so whenever this is empty or when it's not empty or unless it's empty or unless it's not empty do this thing so we're all about the the convenience helpers, I think at this stage oh absolutely yeah I know there's like the framework feels I mean it's just got everything i mean i i say that it feels complete and it's a worry because taylor's always under this weird pressure to deliver the next big thing and it's not something that i would want to be under because it's like you've always got to be thinking you know six months ahead what am i going to do what's the next thing and i think like realistically i think the only major thing now would be significant speed improvements and that may come on the back of changes in php not so much in anything that we're going to change within the framework itself yeah and there's so many libraries too right so i mean there's just it's and honestly like the footprint of the framework at some point it can become too large Mm -hmm. right especially if you literally are just i don't know i don't know It, it can be too much at some point i don't think we're necessarily there but it's it's got a lot of stuff and so like i know people are like uh, are we seriously adding periods to the end of doc blocks as like <laughs> pull requests now like that's that's what we're doing yeah. that's like we're all just like going yeah. in and finding these anything that we can do to try and contribute to this mm-hmm. um so hey whatever it, i think it means that the framework is at a is at a good point and you know it seems like a lot of the things that are being added on to now that are like large features are being added on as almost like first class packages you know what i'm yeah. saying yeah uh, like even like i think about like scout 
right? Which is like that search stuff that's added on as like a package. Passport, of course, is, is like a package that you can include. Uh, Echo is a package, right? So mm-hmm. that's kind of, it's like not necessarily used by everyone, but if you'd like to, you can pull it in. So yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then we also have this idea of the ability to add an array of validation messages to custom validation rules. So you can, there's, when you have this custom validation rule, you have a public function called message, and then you can return an array of of messages. So there's that. I don't really think that needs any more explanation. Yeah, so there we go. That was uh, the major changes in 5.7.13. Okay. Uh, let us, let's see what else we've got. Oh, okay. Let's talk about uh, Laracasts. Did yeah. you see the new redesign? There was a beautiful fresh coat of paint from Laracast, Jeffrey Way and his designer, Tuds. I think his, <laughs> his name is just Tuds. That's, that's all we've got. He's based in Romania by the looks of things. They've been working on this new design for the better part of the, the I mean, of this year. So... I think they started working on it late last year or early this year and uh, they launched it about a week ago and it looks really, really slick. Um, Super Taylor, polished. Uh, Taylor. Yeah. Jeffrey's been doing a lot of videos, uh, the Builder Forum series and and a couple of other series on Laracast that have covered bits and pieces and given us little glimpses over the last few months of what the new site looks like. But this is all built in Tailwind. I think a lot of the back end is largely the same, but it just looks really, really clean. And, you know, there's always going to be people that go, oh, they don't like it because they don't like change and bring back the old design and things like that. But it is it is slick. It is fast. It is, it is clean. Everything's got plenty of room to breathe. Everything feels like it's where it should be from the time that I've spent on it. And along with a new look, there's also a new Laravel Nova Mastery series, which was recorded by yeah, Marcel Posio. Looks really cool. Which I went through, and it, you know, it highlighted some bits and pieces that I haven't, because I haven't spent a lot of time with Nova just yet. Did you watch the covers, whole thing? I watched yet yeah, the whole 15 episodes, nice. um, which is about two hours free. of content, and it's free. It's a free series, and it's really good. It gives you a good overview of all of the bits and pieces that come with Laravel from uh, from Laravel Nova from the basics all the way up to the more advanced things about building your own tools and fields and, and packaging them up. So congrats to to Jeffrey and to Laracast and on the on the new design and congrats to uh, Marcel. Um, and on the back of this new design as well, we've also got the, the I mean there's so much free content on there, but the if you're looking at picking up Laravel for the first time, Jeffrey painstakingly, I'm sure, every six months re re-records the From Scratch series. So Laravel the Laravel from scratch, 5 yeah. from 7 scratch, uh, Laravel 5.7 from scratch has been released as well. So definitely give that a look if you're looking for an intro or a refresh to Laravel. Yeah, I really need to dive into this Laravel Nova Mastery. I'm going to be diving headfirst into Nova yeah. in the coming month here. I've got a big project I'm working on and Nova was the reason why I felt confident that I could take it on and deliver it in the in the time frame that was needed mm-hmm. um just because it's such a powerful tool and so um i'm going to be watching this and uh probably taking some pretty serious notes copious notes if you will. without without going into too much detail on it i think what you'll find with nova is that it is very intuitive and what you think is the way of going about things often is so if you think that like you want to use a text field then you just import a text class and then 
Like it's, it's, it's. Look, you'll pick it up very quickly. It's yeah. very. Intuitive. I mean, and that's the thing is, like, I could tell that just by watching the keynote, you know, with Taylor. But I'm sure there's some more granular bits and pieces that will be super helpful for me to have at least seen once uh, in in more of a um, extended format, right? More yeah. of a tutorial version format yep. instead of just like, hey, here it is, kind of thing. Okay, uh, we have a blog post written by our good friend and fellow Cash Money cohort. Mr. TJ Miller. And TJ is talking about peace of mind for scheduled tasks. All right, everyone, show of hands. How many of you are responsible for making sure that scheduled tasks run in a timely manner? Hands? Hands? Yes. Mr. Dorinda's right. We're both raising our hands here. Yes, all of us, probably most of us have this problem where we have scheduled tasks that need to run. Also, show of hands, how many of you have ever had those scheduled tasks fail? Yes? Show of hand. Yes. Michael, two hands. Two hands. With what have you have what do you have in each hand? Gummy bear? What is that? Uh these are just caps from a HDMI cable. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so uh we've all got these jobs, right? And so TJ starts off the blog post talking about some of the common scheduled tasks that you might have and some of the woes that he has had in dealing with these in the past. And really, you know, it, I mean, not that long ago, maybe five years ago, the way that you had to do this was literally to schedule a cron job for every single scheduled task that you wanted, right? And this cron, uh, this cron tab lives on the server that you are going to run it on right? Mm -hmm. And so that's where they live. So if that server goes down, you are pretty much screwed, right? Your contab entries are all lost. And then uh, there was actually two packages. I'm going to forget that. I think Indatus Mm -hmm. is the name of the people who are like... Yeah, sounds familiar. Yeah, they had one called... I think they had one. I can't remember. I think it was called Trucker or something like that. And it it Mm -hmm. did basically what Laravel Scheduler does now. But Scheduler came to the rescue, right? Where we have, uh, you can basically commit all this stuff to version control. And now you can just go inspect your kernel and have all your scheduled tasks in there in the console kernel, Mm -hmm. which is really, really cool. Uh, But one of the things that you may not be aware of is that you can actually ping out to an endpoint after those jobs are completed. And Envoyer, Laravel Envoyer, provides a nice interface for that. Uh, And that's kind of, I think, what it was originally created for was to say then ping and then you hit Envoyer uh, and that will kind of monitor your your tasks. But one thing that we've been talking about recently and that TJ has been working on as well is HoneyBadger. So HoneyBadger is an error tracking service, but in addition to that, they also have as a first class feature, this ability to notify you in the case that one of your scheduled jobs fails. Mm-hmm. So they've got these check-ins, which are pretty darn easy to set up. And TJ walks through the process of setting those up. And then once you install the Laravel HoneyBadger package, he also has a then ping HoneyBadger that you can uh, append onto the end of your scheduled tasks in your kernel. And it will, you know, it'll hit out to HoneyBadger for you. So HoneyBadger then alerts you if the task is late, provides a nice dashboard for your easy check-in, blah, 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 all that stuff. Uh, And then we get a link at the bottom uh, for HoneyBadger free for 15 days. So pretty cool. So TJ did a really good job of writing this up, explaining how you can do that. So if scheduled uh, tasks are something that are a problem for you, uh, you might want to check this out. Um, okay, and we have now Laracon US 2019. Hit me. <sighs> Laracon US 2019. Laracon VII. Laracon 7. For those of you who do not speak in Roman numerals, the dates and the venue have been announced. We are returning to New York City. And if this is the first time you are hearing about this, 
I am very sorry. You're probably too late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate to say that, but like literally the entire email list was full. Well, okay. Taylor announced like on day two after he, after he launched the site, he said, we have more emails than we have room mm-hmm. in the venue mm-hmm. on day two. Day two. And, and, and um, they're basically tickets are going out for purchase in the order that people signed up on the email list. So it's like, you know, first come, first serve kind of thing on the email list. So thankfully, mm-hmm. like, I got in there like hour one. But man, if you're not on the list, you better dang well get signed up right now if this is the yeah. first time you're hearing about it. I got in not long after. I think I just happened to be around when he released it. I don't know right now if I'm going to be able to make it. Fingers crossed everything goes my way and, and I can attend. That would be lovely. Especially, I said to Ray, like, I should submit a talk and present there so yes. that my travel is covered. And hopefully, Taylor does something where the names of of the speakers go up on that 85-foot screen outside of the yes, PlayStation right? Theater. Because how know. cool would it be to have your name on an 85-foot billboard in Times Square? In freaking Times Square bucket list, hashtag bucket list. I mean, I didn't know Life it was goals. on my bucket list until now, but can you imagine taking a photo of that and then sending it back to like your high school that told you you weren't good enough and you're never going to amount to anything? Well, how many of oh you have your name on a billboard in Times Square? So, Were you bullied in high I, school, Michael? Oh, relentlessly. <laughs> I wasn't a cool Seriously? kid like you. No, no, it was all right. It was all right. Okay. But, I was uh, like, wow, that sucks. Man. I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> But uh, no, dude, no, I got so, bullied. Are you kidding me? I got bullied. I mean, not like okay. What for being too tall and handsome? <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> I got. I I I definitely can't say I caught it as bad as like you know some of the kids. But like I was the new kid. I came in in junior high, new kid in a private school who uh, with kids who had gone to school their entire lives together. Yeah, right. Yeah. Always tricky. So I was always tricky. I was the weird new kid, and so. It took a while, man. Probably two or three Fair years enough. to break into that. Fair enough. I got there, though. I got there. Anyway, in any case, I can commiserate with people who have experienced some, you know, frustration. Yeah. Anyway, 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 blah, blah, blah. We that, are, that has nothing we to do are, with what we're talking about. We are at the PlayStation Theater in Times Square on the 24th and the 25th of July. So, as Jake said, if you haven't heard about this and your name isn't on the list, good luck to you. Um, as I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to attend, but I have put but my name on that list. scalping tickets in any case. And and you know what? I'm going to just buy the ticket anyway and figure out should, if yeah, and how absolutely. I can get there later. Um, so I'm yep. very much looking forward to the possibility of attending. I'm, I missed out this year in catching up with everyone. So, you know, you've been reaching out to me on Twitter saying, you know, I have to come. Maybe... I could start a GoFundMe for the and see how much people really want me to attend. <laughs> yeah, I'll give I'll give like five bucks probably. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. Was, but uh, no, no details <laughs> on on speakers or ticket prices or anything like that yet. It's it's just the announcement of the the venue and the dates. the The website, the the placeholder website, was designed by Jack McDade. And well done, if you Jack. follow him on Twitter, he's going through a real eighties, early nineties uh, nostalgia kick like at he's... the moment. I feel like this has kind of been like Jack's life for the past couple of years. This yeah. 80s, 90s. Like Very his talk so. at Lyricon 2017 was totally all that. I mean, yeah. it was like last time he was in New York, it was it was very retro as well, if you yeah. remember. Yes. So if you're not on that list, we pray for you. We hope 
we send you we send you our thoughts and prayers. Well wishes. And yep. uh, <laughs> if not, get on to laracon.us right now. Put your name on there and hope for the best. So tickets typically go on sale for Laracon US in January. So keep an eye out for more information. Yeah, and also uh, they've got this song out there, Crystalline yes. by the Midnight. Crystalline, yeah. Which I've been I've been listening to them for the last week. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty good stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's a good well, it's a synth wave they call it, I suppose, or no, new retro wave. Yeah, um, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, that yeah, pretty cool. I think the the new the new album from Muse that came out is a pretty eighties inspired vibe to it as well. So. But I won't jump on on Jack's toes. He he has said that the Midnight is the '80s retro wave group to listen to. So that is, I think, the official theme for uh, Laracon this year is is pretty '80s vibe. We're gonna we're gonna try and get some '80s themed music for the Laravel News podcast together at some we stage are. as well. We are. I actually have a friend who is a musician, dude who's like toured around and done all that stuff, right? And he loves the '80s. It's like his era, right? And uh, I told him that if he will get us some music, if he'll write us some custom music for our podcast for intro, that I will have him on the show. Nice. And he thought that was an excellent trade. So (laughs) hopefully in the near future here, we will have some music. That'd be awesome. Dude, you're talking about giving a talk. I want to give a talk so bad this year. So I've already, I've already like, as soon as we left Laracon 2018, I hit Taylor up like that day was like, hey dude, here are two talk ideas that I have. Never heard back, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I'm I'm coming up with new ones all the time. Like I've got two or three more that I'm kind of just thinking through right now as far as what I could talk about that'd be interesting to people. Just whichever ones you don't end up going with, send them my way and I'll I'll give those talks. I'll I'll submit okay. those talks. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. I uh man, I don't know. I've got some I, I and you know the other thing too is I feel like I have the time to do it now. Um, yeah. Not not really, but like after I'm done with this big major project, I will have some time on my hands that I could really dedicate mm-hmm. to making mm-hmm. a good talk. So that's always been the fear before. It's like, man, I, where would I find the time to do it? But now I've I've got the time right now. So yeah, yeah. Hey, speaking of Laracon, the we released on Friday the very first of the inaugural Laracon AU videos, and that was David Hemphill's excellent, excellent abusing Laravel for fun and profit. So we will link that up in the show notes if you haven't had a chance to see it yet. But all of the videos will be released by the time this podcast hits your ear holes this week. So they've been uploaded and sitting and waiting. We sent them out to all of the speakers just so they could have a once-over of their talks before we release them into the wild. Each of the videos will include a thermostat link that you can provide feedback to the speakers which we would appreciate you do if you check them out just to let them know what you think of their talks but there were some really really good talks for the for the first spin of laracon au so definitely check those out we thank all of our speakers we hope to do it all again next year but i am undecided at this stage but we probably will you can do it you can do it yeah i know you will you'll you will there are there are some things that have to go my way, but we will definitely try and do it again for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, dude. Well, hey, I think that is it. I think that wraps it up. That is all. 
Thank you everyone so much for listening to the show this week. This was episode 74. If you like this show, you can find uh, show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 74. Any questions, hit us up on Twitter, Michael Dorita, Jacob Bennett, or Laravel News. And uh, as always, rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be very, very appreciated. Until next time, ladies and gents, talk to you in two weeks. Bye all. If any of you are ever wanting, can you hear me now? Okay. Yes. No, I can hear you now. I can hear you now. Yes, you can. I was doing a little bit of... Uh, I heard that coming out hor- of my uh, laptop. I was doing because- a little bit of horrible beatbox. But <laughs> if you're a beatbox starter and you want to know how to do the beat, it is, you say boots, boots cats, and then say, no, skirts. Skirts? Boots, boots skirts. Boots, skirts. Boots, skirts. No, boots, cats, boots, yeah. cats, boots, cats, boots. No, boots, that's an awesome, that's an awesome cats. US thing, man. No we've way. Got it, we've got it you right. Ask, you guys have got it right. You ask Caleb Pausio. He knows all about boots and cats and leather knee high boots, cats, boots, cats, boots, cats. All right. All right. Why do you think all of his examples have boots and cats in them? That's hilarious. You'll notice it now. You'll see it all the time. I'm sure I will. I am positive.